This is Five on Three, center ice for all things Islanders, Rangers, and all news across the NHL on WFUV Sports. Hello and welcome to another edition of Five on Three. Alongside Tyler Mooney and Samantha Bohr, I'm Colin Lochran. Man, oh man, what has happened to the NHL in this holiday season? We've had Hanukkah. Christmas is on our doorstep. If you're anything like me, you'll be celebrating Festivus in just a short time. And I can't think of a worse possible segue of cheer than to talk about what we are about to talk about. But first of all, (laughs) Tyler, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. I mean, yeah, the news that has come down in the NHL the last 24 to 48 hours has not been the best. But at the end of the day, I feel like we all can agree that we knew something like this was coming. So it didn't really come that much of a shock. It was more just the disappointment of getting the confirmation that there was going to be a shutdown. Absolutely. Sam, how are you today? You know, I'm doing well. I'm back home in Colorado. So happy to be here. It's a shame I'm supposed to go to some abs games this week. Maybe I'll still get to go on the 29th, but that's okay. But I'm happy to be here. But yeah, echoing everything Tyler said, what a disappointing time for everything to happen. I hear you on that one. I was supposed to visit UBS for my first time this season and see the Islanders Mm -hmm. and Capitals play. That will not be happening. And because that's not happening, we have some news to get into here. The NHL is set to pause on Wednesday. All the facilities will be closed from Wednesday to Saturday. Players are going to come back on December 27th. All of this is coming after a spike in COVID cases, of course, with the Omicron variant being very prevalent around the country. I can't help but wonder if this is not a smart break. And what I mean by that is smart to take a break. I'm just not sure they're doing it the right way because from Wednesday to the 27th is not a long period of time. Is that long enough to mitigate is what I'm wondering. Sam, I'll let you take this one first. Yeah, I don't know. Good question. I was wondering the same thing because it's only an extra, what, two-day shutdown um, than it was for the holiday break. So I don't really know what's going to change that much um, in two days extra of a break. Hopefully it'll give them time to kind of reassess. But I mean, they've already increased um, strictness and protocols. They've already kind of increased testing, limited where players can go outside of games. So I don't really know what the extra two days is going to do. I mean, it's nice that they get an extra break, I guess, but I guess I'm kind of with you. I don't know what all this is going to do. And I, I mean, I hope it doesn't foreshadow a larger shutdown in the future. That's what I'm really hoping for here. Yeah. I mean, we got I think as of yesterday, over 15% of the players in the league were in COVID protocols. So a shutdown absolutely needed to happen. I was a little confused about, you know, the duration and the timing of it as well, because there are still games happening tonight. Like the Flyers and the Capitals as of now, or Mm -hmm. as of 10 minutes ago when I was on Safari, they're still playing tonight. And both teams have COVID issues, both Philadelphia and Washington. I saw that apparently it's still going on because the Capitals had already arrived in Philadelphia and both teams wanted to play. I mean, it's like a two-hour drive from Philadelphia to Washington. So I feel like the NHL could have stepped in and said, you know, we're, we're shutting this thing down. But there are still games happening tonight. And then obviously the shutdown will go into effect. I have to feel at this moment that we might end up needing a few more days. As of now, games are supposed to restart on the 27th. So that's what, six, five days from now. So I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure out of the percentage of the players in the league, how many will be able to be out of COVID protocol once this shutdown ends. But I mean, just seeing the number of, of postponements, we've had 
close to 50 postponements, I think, in, in the past few weeks. So it's going to be a pain to try and get this thing restarted. And it's going to be a pain to try and reschedule all these games. I don't know when they're going to do it, whether it's uh, they just mix them in throughout the current schedule or they have to extend the regular season two or three weeks to get these games in. I don't know, but it's certainly a massive headache for the NHL. The sheer yeah. amount of people that went into protocol is incredible. It was a lot of people. And Tyler, to your point, I'm not Dr. Fauci. I'm no good at math either. But if I'm doing the numbers in my head here, I don't think six days is going to cut. Doesn't it at least take 14 days to get out of COVID protocol or to be like at least considered safe from the virus? Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I, one thing I, I saw was, I mean, the NHL has, they've changed their testing policy. They're now testing daily, which they weren't at the beginning of the year, which obviously in light of this massive outbreak that's gone on really throughout all the whole country and the whole world at the moment. Um, that's obviously the right move to do. I saw one thing where the NHL was maybe considering adopting the testing protocols that the NFL has adopted, which you can come out of COVID protocol, obviously, if you test negative twice in 24 hours, which that's what it's always been. But they also developed this new kind of test, which shows how contagious you are. Because as of now, what we know of Omicron is it is very contagious, but in terms of like health effects, it might not be as serious as other viruses or other variants, excuse me. And I know that NHL players, a lot of them, there, there's been some backlash about how long these players need to stay in COVID protocol. I know, for example, the Calgary Flames, I mean, they've probably had the worst outbreak yet. I think practically their entire team had to be put in COVID protocol, but a vast majority of those players were asymptomatic or showed symptoms for maybe the first day and then were fine. And yet they had to stay in protocol for, yeah, you said a 10, 14 days, Colin. So I don't know if the NHL is going to try and change the testing, but I feel like something has to change here because the way that they're going, I don't see how this short break, especially over the holiday season, who knows if players are going to be seeing their families or gathering. I know the NHL is advising them not to do large gatherings or to be indoors, but you know, people are going to do what they're going to do, especially over the holiday season. So I don't know. It's definitely a tough spot for the NHL to be in. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, there have been a few coaches asking, I mean, coach of the uh, Red Wings, sorry, slipped my mind there. Coach of the Red Wings, especially he was saying like, why are we testing asymptomatic players? I don't understand. Like asymptomatic essentially means non-transmissible. And while I don't know if that's true, I'm not a scientist. I don't think that's true, um, but that's a fascinating take. So yeah, I'll be interested to see what they adopt. Um, and what you were saying earlier about when they were going to reschedule um, the game, Tyler, I saw someone saying that because of the potential, very likely shutdown of the NHL players going to the Olympics, they're going to use that break in February to make up all of the games that have been rescheduled. So that like three week block theoretically will be when they can make up the however 50 something games that have been postponed. But might be more. I, we'll I, I feel like there's I probably more. <laughs> I agree, <laughs> but we'll see. Sam, perfect introduction there as we have a little bit of more news in the, on that front. The NHL and the NHL Players Association have seemed to agree they will not go to the Olympics in 2022. As of right now, that is not confirmed at the time of this recording, but it is highly likely. I'm wondering off the top of my head, do you reschedule all the games during this time and try and get as much done then as possible, or do you try and scatter them throughout the season to keep the hockey as competitive as possible? My concern now would be if you try and cram all of these games into that period of time, you're not going to get the best product on the ice. I mean, Tyler, we talked about this last week with, with Chris on the show. 
my whole thing was shut it down so that you can get the best possible product. Because when push comes to shove and the playoffs come around, you want to have guys that are marketable on the ice. This is why we got so angry with Tortorella, right? The NHL is in a position right now where you kind of need to market your best guys and have the strongest teams out there to grow the sport. And that's a credit to the NHL, the talent they have. That's also a credit to the fans that we want to watch the best possible players on the ice and see the best possible teams win. And right now I'm looking at the Metro alone and how close it is. If you try and cram all of these games into that short period of time, who's to say that those one or two points that you lost due to COVID protocol and then cramming the schedule here won't come back to royally bite you behind in the playoffs. Exactly. Exactly. And I mean, that a couple of points there, one that, that validifies the NHL's decision to shut down now, because I know a lot of teams, they've been really struggling in protocols. I know the general manager of the devils, I Tom Fitzgerald, I believe his name. He was just talking about how the devils have had a lot of players in COVID protocol and they've been trying to call players up from Utica. And now those players have been testing positive. So you're, you're not getting the best product on the ice. And these points do matter as far as rescheduling the games during what is most likely going to be this Olympic break. I just don't see how like logistically you can do that. It's not like these are the divisions from last year where teams are all playing in relatively local teams. I mean, I don't know exactly what the specific games that have been postponed are, but I mean, what the Rangers got postponed against Montreal, the Islanders got postponed against Montreal. Like the, the teams are getting postponed from all across the country. I don't know how you can expect teams to, basically fly across the country, maybe multiple times in a two week stretch. I doubt the players want to do anything like that either. So, you know, it, it's going to be tough. And as far as the players not going to the Olympics or assumingly not going to the Olympics, it definitely stinks. We're all looking forward to it. But at the end of the day, as a hockey fan, I would much rather see a safe and normally completed NHL season than risk it, go to the Olympics. Yeah, it could be amazing, but it could also not work out. There could be an outbreak there. And if you test positive in China, you're stuck there for a very long time. Yeah. I mean, no one wants to see their favorite players stuck in Beijing for five weeks, right? I, the players don't want that either because prior to, I think this week, they're saying it was the player's choice of whether or not they wanted to go. Um, I know that like Truba and Zibanejad were all hinting that they might not, but they weren't confirmed. But I mean, at this point, I don't know who'd go. But yeah, I agree. I wouldn't want to see these three weeks crammed full of games, I guess, because when I first was like, ah, oh, great idea. Now, yeah, makes more sense because you don't want the players also getting tired, getting hurt. I mean, like you said, those two points will make all the difference, especially in the Metro. And like someone were to get hurt, they're out for how, who knows how many games, if they're cramming 50 games in three weeks, and instead of missing one or two, it could be missing like five, which I don't think would be beneficial for anybody. So I would prefer it to be scattered too. I'm the type of guy that likes to look at the silver lining. At least we won't have to look at those ugly Olympic uniforms they were trying to put out. <laughs> that is at least what I'm taking away from this. Oh my but God. in all seriousness regarding the issue at hand, I don't want to think this way because I know that certain teams have started off really well and they might deservingly have playoff spots, some of which might be in New York that I follow and cover here for FUP. <laughs> is it at all possible I'm just throwing this out there for discussion that they realign the divisions. I know we've hinted at it on this show before, but it's, it seems like it might be one of the few ways you can guarantee safely ending this season or landing this plane, so to speak, without it crashing and burning. Yeah, it might be. I mean, we saw on the day or day or so before the NHL officially went into a pause, they 
stopped all games between American and Canadian teams. I don't know. I mean, it was only supposed to be for a few days, but if that, if a, if a separation like that had to go on for any, you know, extended period of time, that would obviously be catastrophic for the NHL season. And yeah, I mean, aligning the divisions, I don't know how realigning the division, excuse me. I don't know how that would work. I mean, I guess you would probably have to maybe realign the divisions, you know, teams are playing only local teams, but then maybe you decide the playoffs through like a league wide points percentage. I'm not sure because yeah, I mean, the Rangers are teams in at the top of these divisions are, are playing great and they're at the top of the divisions and they've earned to be there now. So I'm sure there'd be a ton of backlash to realign the divisions, but hopefully we don't get to that point. I'm, I'm going to choose to not put too much thought into it because I just hope we do not get there. Yeah, I agree. I mean, they've done it in, they did it in 2019 or yeah, 2019, 2020, they did it, but I think it would take a huge pause, a lot of realigning. I'm also, I'm going to choose not to think about it and just hope that somehow everything figures itself out over the next couple of weeks. I'm certainly hoping so as well. The only reason I do mention it is because there seems to be a spectrum of how teams and leagues are handling COVID throughout sports. Either you're like the NFL and you're saying we are getting through this no matter what, or you're like the NBA and you're taking precautions that have already been in place since the beginning of the season. And I think the NHL leans on that side of things more towards the NBA's approach of, you know, we're going to try and take every possible precaution. But then for a while there, they seem to be taking the NFL approach of, you know what, we're just going to play through this. And now I think you're at this point where you'd like to just have it be as it was and have the regular divisions and conferences and have it play out that way. But if you're going to try and play this safely, you might have to do something drastic. I hope it doesn't get there. I'm going to choose not to think about it as well, but it's worth keeping an eye on at the very least. In terms of on the ice action that happened before we closed out this season and went to the break, mid-season or not even feels like that though with the, oh, yeah so it weird. feels like we've been COVID, going man up. oh yeah COVID. it's all throwing me off guys i don't like it but anyway in new york we do have the new york islanders who lost four to three against the las vegas golden knights in a shootout pajot did put the isles in the lead at the 1740 mark of the third period but shea theodore put in the equalizer in 912 and that forced overtime in the eventual loss for the isles I don't know. I'm looking at this Islanders team. They need a whole lot of luck to go their way. They're 8-12-6 at the time of the break here. There's a lot of problems here. They've had injuries, COVID protocols, things like that. I'll tell you who you can't blame. And it's somebody I was very critical of last season, but he has proved me wrong this year. Elias Sorokin, 0.926 save percentage. He's played some great hockey. He has three shutouts already this year. He's kept the Islanders in games that, quite frankly, they shouldn't be in. And I'm just wondering, going forward, how do you address the Islanders' problems if you're Barry Trotz? Like, let's say everyone comes back healthy from the break and we slowly start to get guys back that you need, right? Slowly but surely. How do you go about getting back into the thick of things in the Metro? I mean, you got to get your big guys scoring. Not even necessarily your big guys, your team. The Islanders have been struggling to score all year. And you mentioned Sorokin. Yeah, he's probably the only Islander, maybe Matt Barzal in the last month where you could say, yeah, he's had a good season. Besides that, I mean, doing some research for the show, the Islanders, not only are they seemingly just a a wildly inconsistent team in the last few weeks, they've been alternating wins and losses. One win, they look great. And then they come out the next game like they did against the Knights and they blow a late lead and, and they lose. And when you're this far out of the playoffs and you've gone on an 11 game losing streak earlier in the year, you can't afford to be inconsistent at this time of year. 
they can come back and make the playoffs. We saw the Blues do it a few years ago, and they end up winning the whole thing. But, I mean, right now you've got Kyle Palmieri, one goal in 26 games. Josh Bailey, one goal in 21 games. Pajot, he did score on Sunday, and he has scored at a higher pace in the last week or two, but he only has five and 25. He's been struggling as well. That's $15 million for seven goals in 72 combined games. I don't care who you have on your team or if you have Barry Trotz or not, probably the best, one of the best coaches in the NHL. If you're getting that kind of production for that cap allotment, you're not winning anything in the NHL or in any league. So they need those guys to really get going because we've seen it. There's only so much that Sorokin can do. He's been playing outstanding and this is still the last place team in the Metropolitan Division. So if, if there's a dip of play from him, and these guys still continue to not be able to score, it could get really bad, vice versa, if he continues to play the level he's at, and suddenly all these guys are now more healthy and they're scoring more goals. That's the Islanders' path to the playoffs. Yeah, I agree. I was at that game. Um, I was covering the Islanders-Knights game, and that was my first time at UBS Arena. And honestly, it was a more evenly matched game than I thought it would be. Is that because Vegas had some players in protocol? Yeah, 100%. If they had been at full strength, it would not have been the game that it was. But yeah, Ilya Sorokin was un unbelievable that night, I have to say. He has been keeping that team afloat. Yeah, but without like Matt Barzal, people need to step up. Their defense was great that night, I have to say. They made some great saves, but honestly, the offense was looking weak. They need aggression. That's what, like, in my opinion, they need aggression. They need people to actually start scoring. When you look at their stats, like you were saying, it's just kind of like dismal. It's sad to look at when it's like the highest number of goals is Brock Nelson with 10 goals and three assists. So 13 points in 19 games, not bad, but I mean, compare that to everyone else in the league and it's still just pitiful. It's so sad. So yeah, I, I don't know. I think that if Sorkin can stay healthy, then great. But if he goes down, I think the entire team goes down even further than they have, but I mean, they're not too far behind in points. Uh, the Devils, which as we were talking about before the show, are not exactly doing the best this season. Um, they're only three points behind them and they've played four less games uh, because of postponements and things like that. So is there a chance to not be the last team in the Metro division? Sure. Is there a chance to be the top of the Metro division? I won't know if I'd go that far, but that's <laughs> okay. But if they can turn it around, I maybe a wild card spot is not completely out of reach like it looked like it was during their 11 game loss yes. streak yes my, I, I have a big my concern real quick here Colin with the Islanders too is you, you mentioned dismal that's that's really a great word for looking at the Islanders stat page right now but all these guys that we're talking about the guys that I mentioned they have a lot of years left on their contract like I believe Paul Mary has four or five years left Bailey has three years left so if you're the Islanders and you look at that cap sheet and then the contracts that you have, if you want to make up a move, you're going to have to trade one of these guys that's locked up long-term because the players that they have, like the forward group that they have, that's the group that they're going to have for the next two or three years, unless they make a trade because all these guys are locked up long-term, even Anthony Beauvillier, who is definitely having the worst season of his career right now. I don't think this season he's having accurately represents the player that he is. He's been healthy scratch lately, and he still has three years left on his contract. So, I mean, do I dare suggest that maybe a player like him gets traded in the coming months if you want to, you know, kind of switch this thing up for the Islanders? Because we've talked about it 
with Chris extensively throughout this entire season. This is the Islanders window right now, like the past few years, this year, maybe the next year or two, this is their window to win. And I'm not sure if just sitting with this group that they have now, it's clearly not getting it done. Even if all these guys turn it on, is it still enough to, maybe it's enough to make the playoffs, but is it enough to win a Stanley cup? I don't think so. Right. And the ironic thing is if you had told any Islander fan last year, that they would have these guys for three to four more years of who was there last year, they would have been bouncing off the walls with excitement. They would have been telling all of us about how the cup is coming back to Long Island or something like that. We would have been forced to stomach with that, Tyler, as, <laughs> as Rangers followers. We would have had to listen to that. And my point is, yeah, they're missing guys due to health right now. They're not playing good hockey when they're out there either, though, which is the problem. Sezikis looks slow when he came back for that brief period of time. Pulak hasn't skated yet by the way, which is a major problem that you're really going to have to start to look at. I think they had said four to six weeks was his timetable. They really need him back if they're going to make any sort of noise in the Metro because my thing is defense wins. You need a strong defensive pairing as your front guys to really help you. I mean, look at the Rangers right now. I'm confident every game that Lindgren and Fox are going to at least give you max effort on the ice. Even if nothing else is going right, those two guys are at least going to give you max effort. The Islanders had that last year, and they're going to need it this year with Pulak and Pella. Once those guys get back, that's going to be key to getting your team jump-started. And right now, it's looking very unlikely since the guy hasn't skated at all. The other thing I like to mention here, because I'm an old man and I read the New York Post, they talked about how the schedule didn't help the Islanders, opening up the season with the 13 straight road games, not having a single home game. And they also pointed to COVID protocol as being the number one reason as to why they're not playing well right now. I don't necessarily subscribe to that. I think there's other things going on with this team. Sam, you mentioned the lack of aggression. I see it very clearly. It's very uncharacteristic of Trot's teams not to play with that sort of aggression. Typically, his teams are looked at as very forceful on the forecheck, very forceful around the net. And this team just doesn't seem to have that right now. Now, whether that's a direct result of health is another question entirely. But if I'm just looking at this as someone watching the games, then no, they're not putting up that sort of forcefulness that's necessary to win hockey games. One other thing here that's important, and I'm very disappointed that I have to even say this, Simeon Varlamov has been genuinely awful, and it hurts my soul because last year I thought he was going to be the big answer for them, that you had Sorokin and Varlamov, that was going to be the tandem that was going to basically get you past the lightning at a certain point. Because Vasilevsky's a great goalie, but they like to run him out there every day. Now, I'm a fan of if you have the guy in the playoffs, you run him out there. But if you're the Islanders and you had that luxury or thought you had the luxury of two guys that you can consistently rely on, I thought that was going to be ultimately something that would lift you above a team like the Lightning or the Hurricanes who are looking pretty decent as of late. He's been atrocious, like really, really bad. Am I alone in thinking that way, that he's just been that awful that it's unwatchable? No, yeah, he, you go, you go, Sam. No, <laughs> it's so hard. <laughs> it's so hard doing this virtually. Uh, no, 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 I agree. He's just been so bad. And like, I was a Varley fan back when he used to play for Colorado. We called him the brick wall. He was great here. He, oh, wow. He truly led us pretty far, but oh, it's been so brutal seeing him. I still, he still holds a little piece of my heart, but no, it's been awful. I mean, eight games played, one win, five losses. Like that is Oh, it's so hard to watch it. Yeah, it hurts. What are you what are you thinking, Tyler? Yeah, they definitely need him 
to get going. They've been lucky enough that Sorokin has been able to hold it down the way he has. And if Varlamov can turn around the second half of the season, which I, I mean, he can, he's shown he's done it before. He was great last year throughout the entire regular season and the playoffs though. That'll be a big boost for the Islanders. Also really quick change of subject before we move on here. Little breaking news here. The Capitals Flyers game is postponed tonight. It just got postponed. So I guess that makes, that makes more sense. There you have it. A little bit of consistency a little. At least, I mean, we're, we're getting towards something of, of a normalcy. Whether it be good or bad is, an, is another sort of dilemma. But we do have to move to New York's other hockey team, or as I would say, the hockey team of New York. The New York Rangers, who have been playing some pretty decent hockey. I won't say good hockey, because I've been a little bit on edge about them recently. Last time out, they lost to the Las Vegas Golden Knights 3-2 to two in shootout. I was there for that one. But here's the bright side of this break for the Rangers. Igor Shosturkin will be back once the break ends. And so far this year, he has been phenomenal. 0.937 save percentage. More than 75% of his starts have been considered quality starts thus far this season. I think you take that 10 times out of 10. The Rangers have been playing some good hockey. My main critique of them right now, they can beat bad teams and mediocre teams pretty well. They beat Arizona, they beat Buffalo, teams of that nature. But the minute they face the Avalanche, the minute they face Vegas, it, it doesn't crumble. See, that's what's giving me a little bit of hope here. It doesn't necessarily crumble. It's just certain things that they can do really well against bad teams. They struggle with greatly in later periods against good teams, especially on the forecheck. That's something I noticed very early on in that Vegas game and then very late in the Vegas game. That first period, Vegas outplayed them on the forecheck all period long. Second period comes around, I guess Gallant makes some adjustments. They started to play much better hockey. Specifically, the line of Kreider, Zivanejad, and Kako was a great combination that night. In my opinion, I thought those guys played phenomenally in that second period. Actually, two of the goals that night came from that line. And then the third period, it all falls apart again. I don't know if that's attrition. I don't know if that's Gallant not making the adjustment again at the second half, or the second period intermission, and just banking on the fact that it's going to carry over. But right now, I'm optimistic about this Ranger team, but there's things that need to be looked at. Sam, how are you feeling about the Broadway Blue Shirts? You know, I'm feeling okay. I kind of agree. Like you said, they can beat bad teams. As soon as they're against, quote-unquote, better teams, it starts to crumble a little bit. But, I mean, they're fighting. I have to give them credit for that. I have to say they're not giving up. Um, even when they're not scoring first, I think they're doing okay. It'll be exciting to see Shesterkin come back. Um, Artemi Panarin's also supposed to come back. He's been out because of the lower body injury. And I mean, he's leading the team right now in scoring, I believe. Yes. Um, yeah, in points, he's doing great. So it'll be really exciting to see him come back. I think as much as we were talking about the break coming when it did, I think it's a great time for them. I really do, because it gives Shesterkin and Panarin a little bit more time um, to come back. And I think once they're at full strength, It'll be great to watch. I think that I'm, I'm feeling confident or hopeful, rather, especially watching like Capo Caco kind of come into his own. I'm, I'm a big Capo Caco fan. I just think he's lovely. Um, and he had a bit of a, yeah, that's the word for it. But he had a bit of a, a rough start to the season, not scoring, not really following through where they thought he could. Um, but recently, he seems like he's kind of found his footing. Um, which is really exciting. And I like that uh, Kako Kreider's advantage line. So I'm hopeful that that line, if they can keep it together, that it'll keep going. And as he starts to find his footing more, 
him and Lafreniere, hopefully they'll be able to rack up some points and kind of push the Rangers where they need to go to really secure their spot in the playoffs. Yeah, the break definitely came at a pretty good time for the Rangers. Granted, they've been missing Igor and Panarin for the last few games, but even in those Buffalo and Arizona games, Colin, I mean, the Arizona game, it took two late third period goals to get the win. And the Buffalo game, we talked about it. They That game should have gone to overtime. The Sabres should have tied the game and, you know, whatever would have happened, happened. But going back even before these injuries to Shesterkin and Panarin, the Rangers have not beat a team that's like currently in the playoffs as we're sitting here right now since November 8th. And it's December 21st. Now, it's not their fault that they've played. Their, their, their schedule has been much more teams of lower quality than teams of higher quality. And as you said, Colin, when they're playing these teams like Arizona, Buffalo, New Jersey, they're winning. They're winning the overwhelming majority of the time. It's why they're one point out of first place. But coming out of this COVID break, they have a stretch of games where they're playing Detroit, Florida, then a home and home with Tampa, Edmonton, Vegas, and Anaheim. Those are all playoff teams. I think that assuming you get a healthy Shesterkin coming back and a healthy Panarin coming back and you have just an overall healthy lineup, I think that stretch of games is going to tell us a lot about what the prospects of the New York Rangers are moving forward in the season, whether they are a third place team wildcard team, if they go, you know, two and five in that stretch or vice versa, if they go you know, five and two, or they light it up in that stretch. Yeah. This team could win the division. This team could contend for a Stanley cup, but I think this is going to be a massive stretch for the Rangers. And I think it's been a thing that people have kind of been talking about as the season has progressed. And now as we've gotten further and further in the season, and they've still sort of struggled to beat these high level teams like Colorado, they lost to Nashville who's second in the central right now, people are starting to make more and more noise about it. Hey, you know, yeah, they've been playing great. They've been beating the teams they've been supposed to be beating. But when the going gets tough, they've, you know, maybe struggled. And maybe this isn't, you know, a first place team. Maybe this team is still a little bit young, which they are. They're, they're still at the very beginning of their window. This team didn't make the playoffs last year. And now suddenly they're launched to within a point of first place. So I think that stretch coming out of the break is going to be huge for the Rangers. I agree that I'm still hopeful. I mean, I certainly don't have any concern that they'll miss the playoffs this year, but Pittsburgh is only three points behind them. Earlier in the season, we were kind of talking about how Washington, the Rangers, and uh, Carolina were going to be the top three in the Metro. And Pittsburgh has gotten hot in the last month, and they're definitely catching up to the Rangers quick. So the Rangers, you know, they can certainly be happy and, and confident and proud of what they've accomplished through the first portion of the season. But at the same time, they definitely still have a lot more to achieve. And that stretch coming up in the new year is going to be massive for them. Yeah, for the Penguins, that's the Tristan Jari comeback of the year story right there. But I think we need to apologize to him soon as well. Yeah. But yeah, we for do. the Rangers, right now, as you said, Tyler, we're sitting at third in the Metro, 42 points right behind Carolina and Washington, who each have 43 points at the moment. Something, too, that I've noticed, and it's bothering me, because in the spirit of becoming more consistent and finishing games against good teams and staying in games against good teams, Gallant loves to switch up the lines and in doing so Lafreniere doesn't get much ice time at all and it's becoming a problem the other night I maybe saw Lafreniere two or three times when I had looked up when they switched it was bad especially in the late like early you saw him quite a bit first period it's early trying to get the feel of the game feel of what's happening with the other team he was in that game quite a bit against Vegas as it went on 
Gallant keeps fumbling the lines. I'm looking around medium row and we're all switching what we have in terms of what he's going with out there. And yeah, I get, he's trying to do something different, see what he can find offensively, get some consistency. I would like to see Lafreniere out there a little bit more. I think what you've seen so far with Kako, especially on the line with Kreider and Zvadajet, shows you that if you play these guys more and more, they're going to get more comfortable out there. I'd really like to see him do the same thing with Lafreniere. I'm not quite sure why he's not doing that. It's something that's come up in postgame quite a bit, and there really hasn't been an answer other than he just wasn't feeling it that day. But when you're this close in a race – for the playoffs and really playoff position is going to matter this year very much because I would rather see them play a lower grade team in that first round, especially in a year like this, when you know they can handle those lower grade teams, then only get a wild card spot and have to play a really good team and maybe not even get out of that first round. And with the fact that Shosturkin's playing great, and by the way, Gorgiev must have had a cup of coffee and waking, woken up because he's playing fine now too. You really got to start to get some consistency with who you're putting out there after the game against Vegas Mika was talking about the fact that you know him Kreider and Kako are really starting to form a chemistry and that's something they've been talking about at practice that's something that's an active discussion within that locker room I want to get your guys takes on this should they be playing the young guys a little bit more and by the young guys I really do just mean Lafreniere and Kako because in my opinion those are the guys that are really going to put them over the edge if they develop properly that almost eliminates your need to go out there and get another piece especially with the fact that Fox is young, but he's already the most trusted one of, if not the most trusted guy there, maybe only next to Kreider, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, Kako's certainly been playing a lot recently. That's just a product of the Rangers are very dry on right wing. If they're going to make a move, I would suggest it would probably be for a right winger because, you know, I, I know I know Dryden Hunt is your boy, Colin. I know he's great. Him. Always but comes through. I'm still not sure if, you know, we're in game five of the playoffs and it's a 2-2 series and you need a goal in the third period and I want Dryden Hunt being my second option out there. I, I'm just not sure if I want that. I was very skeptical about Dryden Hunt early in the year. He was somebody I watched, I think it was that first game against Dallas. I'm like, who's number 29 <laughs> and why is he making such horrible decisions with the puck? And then as the season starts to go on, he had the great game against Boston, by the way. That's yes. probably his best game of the year, yes. that great shot. And then he had a couple of nice uh, passes in that game, especially that kind of made you go, okay, this is someone that's really growing here as a player, getting more opportunities. And, you know, quite honestly, I'd like to see him in there more than Goodrow, given the team that's out there with him, because I think Goodrow has a habit of just lugging the puck down towards the net and not looking at other options around him, whereas Hunt is really more of a team player in that way. So I think Dryden Hunt's fine. If you're going to make a move, though, I agree with you. It's going to have to be for that right winger. That That's a whole other story, though. Yeah, yeah. And then as far as Lafreniere, real quick, I mean, when Panarin's healthy, as much as I, like, I, I last year was clamoring so much, play laugh more they need to play him more but at the end of the day he's not playing above Panarin and he's as of right now he's not playing above Kreider the way that Kreider's playing so there's a certain limit for how high he can go in the lineup just based off what the Rangers have but in the absence of Panarin which has been for a few games yeah I, you would have thought he would have played a little bit more I don't have you know obviously his time on ice stats in front of me but yeah it hasn't seemed like there's been a massive uptick in ice time 
Yeah. I mean, I think that playing Kako more, I think he's gained confidence. And I don't know if that's what like Lafreniere needs. I don't know what's going on. I'm not in his head. Um, I think I'd like to see them get, yeah, a little bit more ice. I think the more they play, the more they play against these tough teams, the more they learn. As tough as that is, I think that it has it's inevitable, honestly. You were talking about Dryden Hunt. Dryden Hunt is a name that when this season started, I was like, I don't know who that is. And I do not care. And then as the season has progressed, I've been so surprised to see his name on my like NHL alerts that I get, things like that. Shocked to see him on the scoreboard. But I'm happy. I don't know. I pretty much just am echoing everything you guys have said. I agree. If they're going to make a move, it would have to be for a right winger. Because I mean, Kako, Hunt, Gautier, Reeves, like there's, I don't know. I think that they need something more there. So if they're going to make a move for that, but I don't know. I liked them play. I love seeing Capo Kako play. Like I said, I think he's great. Um, someone else you mentioned, Adam Fox. Adam Fox is great. Him versus Kale McCarr in the race for the Norris Trophy is a race that I love to watch. I like watching Adam Fox, but I think that they need more depth. They can't just rely on the players that they know are there. They can't just rely on Fox to do what he's going to do. They need people who are going to come 100% every game. Absolutely. And in terms of the Norris race, we'll have to see how that one goes. I know who's not getting it because I've been disappointed. Charlie McAvoy up in Beantown. I mean, I ripped him when they gave him that extension. <laughs> and now I look brilliant because he has just fallen off the face of the earth. The thing on him was he couldn't score as opposed to Fox who could score could get you assist numbers, could play you know, great defense, obviously. I think Fox and Mark Carr are clearly the, the guys that are in that conversation, Hedman as well in Tampa Bay. But uh, to that point about the Rangers, the last thing I really want to look into here is we're going to be out of this break eventually. I know we're heading into it right now. It's the dark abyss of no hockey. It, they will be back. December 27th, the Rangers will be playing the Detroit Red Wings. There's a good chance that that's going to be Shesterkin coming back to the garden. What is a realistic expectation for Shesterkin coming off of this injury? Because I have a weird feeling that what everyone's going to be expecting is not necessarily what you're going to get the first couple of games back, unfortunately. I think anytime you come back from an injury, there's a little bit of a grace period that goes into that, to getting back into the flow of the game, getting back into seeing the puck better, especially at the goalie position. What's realistic? for Shesterkin here? I mean, yeah, you, you could definitely see, you know, him maybe easing into it and not having the best game in the game against Detroit. Detroit's got definitely some goal scorers. Lucas Raymond probably going to win rookie of the year, if not him or Zegras. But, uh, I mean, Igor, is, it's as simple as when he plays so far this year. When he plays, they win. So, I, I feel like I, I got to be confident in, in Shesterkin coming out and, and getting the win for the Rangers. Maybe not, you know, a brilliant 35-40 save shutout, but I think he could definitely have a classic Igor performance, one or two goals, be just entirely solid in net, which he's been all year. I agree. I mean, especially against the Red Wings, who are not necessarily the gold medal of hockey right now. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I agree. I think that it's going to be a bit of a slower start than people are expecting. I think people are going to want him to come back and get that amazing 40 save shutout. But I just, I don't think it's realistic when someone's been gone for this long. Um, he's missed a fair number of games. I think that it's hard to come back and be full strength. There's a lot of pressure on him. I'm sure he's feeling it too. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I'm sure he'll come back. He'll look good. I think that it's going to take him a few games to build back up to being the goalie that everyone expects him to be. But I don't know. I, I expect a good performance, maybe not an, 
earth shattering performance, but I expect a good performance. And I think the team does too. Along that save wavelength, I think he'll give you a good performance as he always does something at least that's solid and gives you an opportunity to win the game. But I'm not expecting a shutout or a mind blowing 45 same 45 save game performance by any stretch of the imagination. It has been great talking to you both. That is going to do it for this edition of Five on Three. As we enter into the break, hockey will be back soon. But for now, alongside Samantha Bohr and Tyler Mooney, I'm Colin Lochran saying so long and stay safe. Five on Three is a production of WFUV Sports.